Get everybody together because it's coming up the 110th edition of the Grey Cup. And the kickoff is slated just a little bit after 4 o'clock, I believe, in Hamilton. So it'll be fun. But it's the Montreal Alouettes against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Crazy to think through all the years, you know what? They've never played each other before. It's kind of amazing when you think about it. And also, don't forget, 6.30 Chet will have the radio broadcast for you. It's Bryn, and Reed Wilkins is joining us in the studio. And guess who's joining us from the Great Cup City of Hamilton? Yeah, a guy who played 14 seasons in the Canadian Football League for the Edmonton team. Was named the top lineman in 1988 and 1990. An all-star in the CFL in 89 and 94. Blake Dermott. You've made this show way more attractive with your good looks, although this is a radio show. How you doing? I'm doing fine, Brid. Good to hear your voice. I, and I just wanted to congratulate you on your new gig. Thanks. Well, hey, we're covering things off for Chels for a while. So, uh, you know, baby number two is on the way. So happy to be here. Okay, so you just touched down. Uh, can you feel the magic already? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's it's going to be magic. You've only been you've only been there for what, like maybe five minutes? Oh, actually, no. I'm 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 actually uh, I'm in Edmonton oh. <laughs> for a month, so I just touched down in Edmonton. So, <laughs> so you're coming this way. I got gotcha. you. I yeah. got gotcha. you. Hey, well, listen. Uh, let's talk about the big matchup coming up. This is this is going to be kind of fun because you have the Montreal Alouettes who did. Uh, you know, you know what they did to the Toronto Argonauts, the 16 and two team. You're familiar with how that works. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I kind of when I talked with uh, with Reed last uh, last week or so, I said I got a feeling that that was going to happen. Um, I just uh, I, I know how it feels to have a great season like the the Argonauts did, and then to to lose 16 16 two and lose first round of playoffs. It's, hey. uh, that's miserable. Before we go down the Grey Cup road here a little bit, let, I want to do a little comparable here. 16-2, and two, that was a great year here. There's no denying that. But all the pressure's on the team like you. All the team was on the pressure. It was on the Toronto Argonauts, that kind of thing. Could you, When you were watching that Eastern Final, did you see a lot of elements that were similar? Yeah, I, I thought that, you know, when you looked at the stats, uh, Toronto certainly dominated, but they just made so many mistakes. You know, they uh, they... they they got lots of sacks. Uh, um, uh, they sacked the quarterback a ton, but they it was at nine turnovers in the game, and uh, they had uh, more than double the offense uh, that, that Montreal had. So it was just you know classic example of uh, going out there and just shooting yourself in the foot so many times that you just can't come away with a victory. Blake, good to talk to you. I, I, you know, you can't get away from me just because you don't come on during the inside sports time. Slot. So it's it's good to talk to you again. Uh, Great Cup week. Uh, I don't know if you want to tell any tales or, or just you can keep people anonymous. Um, Come on! But were there were there were there not some guys who didn't focus on football enough the the one year perhaps the game you guys lost big to Winnipeg? Well, that uh, you know the funny thing about, about that uh, Reed was that you know I I went to five Grey Cups and the fifth Grey Cup was the only time that I that I ventured basically outside of the hotel area um and and uh for the for the most part i didn't know what other guys were doing there was a group of people like the offensive linemen we always went out we we had dinner we but we treated it this like a, it was it was a special thing for us and nobody wanted to, to be screwing it up um but i know that uh, back in, in in 1990 there was there was uh, some guys that uh that, that screwed things uh-oh. I never even heard about that until a week after the game. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like we would, I would, uh, we would go there. We'd have our plan. We go supper this night. We go supper that night. We, we we were always there at curfew, and then the night before the game, 
they shut down our, our floor so the elevators wouldn't work, elevators wouldn't work so guys couldn't go up and down. <laughs> so it, 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 it did a really good job of managing us, but uh, but there was some guys that, uh, that got into some issues. So yeah. how yeah. disappointing was that to find out after the fact? And, and do yeah. you blame leadership or do you blame the individual guys who made that decision? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I don't think that, you know, regardless of what happened, I, I don't think that that had anything to do with with us getting, you know, our butts handed to us that day. It was, uh, I remember it was 10 to 4 to half. We ended up losing like 50 to 7 or 50 to 10 or something. And uh, and there may have only been about four or five guys that were involved in this, and they kept it quiet. So the rest of us were oblivious to what was going on, uh, what, what had gone on prior to this. So so honestly, that, that really, I, I just think we played terribly. And I think Tracy Ham had one of the worst games he'd ever played. Uh you know, we threw a few picks, and uh, I, I, we just couldn't get things going. We had guys that were injured. Um, we had uh, we were missing an offensive lineman or two, and uh, going into that game, and it was just it was just one of those things. That was a very good Winnipeg team that just uh, you know they knew how to they they they, they gave us trouble all year. And um, they, they knew how to take advantage of some of the weaknesses we had. Hey, well, listen, you played in five Grey Cups and were part of two championship teams, '87 and '93. What do you remember most about those two championship games? Well, uh, in '87 and '93, uh, we won. Yes, <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, I think um, for for me, the '87 uh, was a was a we had made it in '86, we lost, and then '87 was the first win. I think that was really important. I know that I know that I wasn't the starter in '87. Uh, I was just doing long snapping and. and uh, the game-winning field goal. I think it was a 49-yard field goal. Snap for four, and I almost fired all over Damon Allen's head, uh, who was the holder. And if you watch, Damon had to come off of one knee to grab the thing and put it down and, and hold the ball. And that was a, you know, the, it was it was a nerve-wracking thing. It was gripping it really tight, and, and he and he saved the day. And of course, Jerry Cork was true with his foot. And then '93, the best thing about that was I had gotten injured halfway through the year, and I didn't know because Chris Morris was injured uh, halfway through the year with the virtually the same incident, same injury, and, and we didn't know if we were even going to be able to play. And, uh, and uh, we were able, we struggled through that whole thing. And uh, uh, we, uh, I, I, sorry, I think Chris was done for that year, but uh, we struggled through uh, Randy Ambrosi's last game. He blew his knee out towards Achilles, or, or Cruciate, uh, with uh, six weeks to go in the season and played with Brace. And then as soon as the next day or two days after the game, he retired and got his knee fixed. And and uh, the best thing about that was we took over the room that week because we were the Western representative down there in Calgary. Yeah. And uh, the company I was working with at the time, uh, we had made a bunch of uh, – uh, we had made the uh, – the Eskimos bumper stickers, and I took about a thousand of them down there and just plastered the inside of the locker room. Yeah, and <laughs> I put them in places that they're probably still finding them now. Yeah, George Hopkins is probably just—he's just still pissed at me. Yeah, big winner, <laughs> big winner yesterday too for all he does for the Canadian Football League. So good on George, yeah. uh, really yeah. great guy. Hey, listen, so now you've got the this matchup coming up, and you got Montreal led by Jason Moss and Danny Machocha, obviously a huge part of that, going against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. How do you, do they have enough magic? Do they think they can do it? Well, you know, uh, if, if last week didn't say, uh, didn't show everybody that there's uh, anything can happen, then, then I don't know what will. Uh, you know, I think, I think Winnipeg has been the class of the league for the last four years. And, uh, and I think that they've been, you know, a dominant team uh, for at times this year. 
But I tell you what, uh, Montreal is in some kind of a string right now, and whenever you get into a uh, into a playoff situation, when you when you've got one of the hottest teams in the league against a good team, sometimes it's safe to take the hot team. And uh, and I and I it would not surprise me if uh, if uh, Montreal comes away with a win in this game. Okay. That's uh, well. I, you know what? I think everybody's. I think everybody's kind of thinking Winnipeg's going to win it. But I think everybody around here is kind of cheering for uh, for the Montreal Alouettes, which would be kind of fun to watch. And you know what? You've you've hung around some guys that are pretty emotional, and Jason Moss is one of those guys. Yeah, I was. Uh, you know, one of the things I, I, I uh, in watching him a lot this year. You know, and and uh, it says a lot when you're watching the coach and not the team. I think I think he's uh, he's. You know, he's not the same guy he was when he was here. Um, yeah, he's emotional. That's that's part of who he is. But I think that he's a much better coach now than he was uh, a couple of years, uh, four years ago. And, and I liked him as a coach then. Um, I would have loved to have played for a guy like that that was emotional. Uh, but I, uh, I think that uh, I, I think he's done some really good things with the team out in Montreal this year. Blake, I want to throw you one more, uh, just a different football topic. What did it mean to you to see what Chris Morris and the Golden Bears accomplished this year? I know it was a heartbreaking end, but best team they've had in a long time. You know, we watched the game um, from where we were at. Uh, Stu McAndrews was our Sam linebacker on that 1981 team, and he was there with me. And, uh, you know, with uh, 54 seconds left, and they're on the 9-yard line or 10-yard line of UBC, where uh, we're getting excited and, and uh, that you know this is over. All they had to do was just tell it, if they just kneel down and, and get the field goal, then the game's over. Yeah. But uh, Eli fumbled the ball uh, there on the on nine yard line, and, and uh, credit to BC, they uh, they found a way to win. You know, with 54 seconds left, marched the length of the field and then scored that uh, that uh, touchdown in the last play of the game, and and it was heartbreaking. It was. Uh, I just, uh, you know, uh, talked with a bunch of guys that I played with in the last little bit, and and uh, yeah, we all feel the same way. Feel bad for Chris, uh, disappointed for Chris, and, and uh, that's uh, you know as good a team as they were this year. They they end up like everybody else in the conference, other than UBC, but we're losing their last game, and that's too bad. You offensive line guys all stick together, right? Is is there a union? Is that how it works? <laughs> no, no, just. <laughs> Uh, no, we just we just happened to be uh, we just happened to be in Scottsdale at the same time. So. All great guys, I got to tell you. <laughs> hey, listen, enjoy the game this weekend. Thanks for uh, for you know getting to a phone as fast as you could and getting the line and uh, joining us on the show. We appreciate it. We'll talk again sometime soon. Okay, all right. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, enjoy the weekend. All right, you too. There you go, Blake Dermott, joining us. Who's on the Elks broadcast team? I love Blake. Uh, he and, and Rob Brown, who I get to work with, is very good at this as well. They can explain complex game situations yeah. in a way that anybody can understand. And in football, too, I mean, in hockey, there's stuff going on away from the puck for sure. In football, there's a, even more going on away from the object, away from the ball. And Blake is so good at identifying, hey, Blake, man, did you see this guy? He blew it. No, 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 Reed. Did you see what his teammates were doing I in know. the situation they put him in? He's so good at seeing that stuff. Those O-line guys are, are pretty fantastic. Yeah. They're just great people. Everybody's great they, people, but yeah. those guys are a special breed. There's one There's one cliche about O-linemen that is false. What's is that? that they're a bunch of big dummies. There is oh, one cliche oh. about O-linemen that is true, though. Yeah. They like to eat. <laughs> yes.